got your Bibles this morning, you turn to Matthew chapter 5. Remember last week in the Sunday morning service, we talked about uh, different names. Uh, we started off at least talking about different names, titles uh, that Scripture assigns to us as Christians. I mentioned several. One, uh, we, we talked about uh, we're called believers, and that's only appropriate because we do believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're called brethren because we are uh, members of God's family, we're called beloved brethren, which is a little bit better than just being called brethren, isn't it? We're called children of God, we're called children of light, we're called dear children. There's a lot of emphasis on us being a part of God's family. We're called salt, we're called light, we're called referred to as God's sheep because we are the sheep of His pasture. We're called sons of God, we're called Christians because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're called the elect because God has chosen uh, to call out uh, 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 people for His name. Uh, we're referred to as vessels of honor and of mercy. And hopefully we're, we'll we are fulfilling that in our lives, that we are people of honor and people of mercy. And then uh, we said that one of the most important ones, uh, we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That, that is good to know, isn't it? We're heirs of God. So we have something waiting for us, an inheritance as the children of God. And I, I mentioned that those names have different purposes. And these aren't all of them, by the way. This is just a, just a representative list of things that Christians are referred to in the Scripture. Some of these names, some of these titles, they define relationship or our relationship to God. We're the sheep of His pasture. He is our shepherd. Jesus Christ is our great shepherd. He's our chief shepherd. He's the shepherd who gave His life for the sheep to protect them. Uh, we're... Uh, Others that define our relationship to God are brethren, uh, children in His family, sons, heirs, that sort of thing. So they define how we relate to God Himself. Some of these titles, they describe characteristics of us. Things like salt and light, and uh, that being vessels of honor and of mercy. They, they describe the characteristics that we should have as Christians. And some of these titles, they indicate responsibilities we have. And certainly being members of a family, any family, brings with it responsibility, doesn't it? Uh, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a responsibility to each other. We have a responsibility to our Heavenly Father to live in a way that, that does not dishonor Him and that doesn't dishonor His name. Many of us may have heard growing up, our parents may have told us, whatever you do, don't dishonor your family name. Don't drag it through the mud because this name has meant something over the years. Well, certainly the, the name of God's family, that means something. And so we don't want to drag that name through the mud, do we? Uh, being heirs, uh, bearing uh, testimony for the Lord, all of those are responsibilities that we have for the Lord. And so these, these names that, that were given in the New Testament, um, they, they have these characteristics. Uh, they define our relationship, the characteristics we have in our responsibilities. Last week we looked at one of those titles, we picked one out, and it was, We're the Light of the World. Well, today I want us to look at a different one, same passage basically, but we'll refer to as salt. And I want us to read again in Matthew chapter 5. This week I'm going to read more of Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to start reading in verse 1, and we'll read down through verse 16. Matthew 5 chapter, uh, verse 1 says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, this is Jesus, and when he was said, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's hence it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's pray again before we start. Father, thank you for allowing us to look into your word today. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand what we see here. We pray, Father, that you might speak to our hearts. We pray that the Holy Spirit would be free to move among us today. If there's anything in our lives that we need to confess before you, any sin we need to confess and, and forsake, we pray that you'd lead us to do that. Father, if there is uh, a trouble, a burden that we've brought with us today, we pray, Lord, that you might allow us to leave that with you and trust you to take care of that burden. But for this time, I pray that you might allow us to, to lay aside those things that, uh, of the world that might distract us, that we might focus upon the Word of God today and upon the God of the Word. We ask you to speak to our hearts now as we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking at here verse 13, when Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. Uh, Jesus, he referred, he specifically chose to refer to that term salt uh, from when he's talking to these believers, these disciples of his. By the way, as I said last week, when he said, you're the light of the world, that was a compliment. When he says, you are the salt of the earth, that's a compliment as well. And it, it, salt, we know, was in the time of the, the Roman uh, occupation of this part of the world. It was, a, it was a very highly valued commodity. It still is, by the way. People around the world still value salt. And so it was often used as a form of currency. You've probably heard this before. Our English word, uh, salary, is from a Luton word, or a, a, a Latin root, salarium. And it simply means of salt. So people would actually be paid with a certain amount of salt. There was an old saying, uh, and you've probably heard it, uh, refer to people being worth their salt. Well, if you're worth your salt, then you're worth whatever salt was given to pay you for your, your wages when you were working. That's how value, uh, how, how highly valued salt was in that, uh, in that economy. And so Jesus specifically chose that word to re refer to believers. And so it begs the question, why? What is it about salt that would make Jesus want to say, you as my, as my followers, as believers in me, you are the salt of the earth? Well, I want us to look at, if we could today, some of the qualities of salt that I believe apply to Christians. That, that maybe, or it's why Jesus would choose that term. First thing that comes to mind is salt promotes health. It's a simple fact. People cannot remain healthy without salt in their lives. Now, in, in the United States, salt has often uh, had a bad rap, so to speak. There's too much of it in, in people's diet and it can cause trouble. But without it, or without enough of it, our health will suffer. 
uh, much of our body's content is, is, is salt. Uh, and we can't w remain healthy without it. It provides nutritional mineral elements to the cells in our body. The salt that we eat, sodium chloride, and there are other salts that we take in as well, and they provide the minerals, or some of them that our bodies need. But another thing that salt does for us, it, it helps remove toxic wastes from our, our bodies. It, uh, it dissolves those wastes. It sanitizes them. And then it helps to uh, cleanse them, to expel them from our bodies. We don't think about that when we take that little salt shaker and we push, put it on the food, do we? But it helps to, to um, remove toxic waste from us. Our bodies use salt to, to produce, I'm sorry to say perform, to produce hydrochloric acid, which is, that sounds bad. Sounds horrible, doesn't it? Our, our bodies are producing that. It's a digestive fluid. It's also referred, another name for it is spirits of salt. It helps our bodies to digest the food that we eat. So salt is good for us. Uh, it's even used to treat things other than internal things as far as putting the minerals, uh, helping our cells to get the minerals or to help cleanse the toxins from our bodies. It can be used topically in, in medical um, term. It, it can help uh, a sore throat. If you gargle with a little warm salt water, it'll, it'll help a great deal for a sore throat. I'm told it'll even help a toothache. Maybe a little warm salt water, just kind of hold it against the tooth, it'll help that. It helps with something that would, in the, the southern United States, post-nasal drip. That sounds disgusting, but it can help with that, a little gargle every now and then. We, we could all use that. It helps take the uh, pain out of a bee sting. It can help take away the itch from a mosquito bite. Just make, put a little salt water on there, a little poultice, so to speak. It can help with poison ivy or poison oak. That didn't used to concern me any because I didn't used to be bothered with that until I got a little older and then that stuff will eat you alive. So it helps to know that there's something like salt that can help with that. It can help uh, even a, a sore gum, not just a toothache, but a sore gum. Just, just hold a little warm salt water there. Salt is good for us is what I'm trying to get a point across. It promotes health. What does that have to do with Christians? Why would the Lord Jesus use that term? For us, here's why. The world cannot enjoy ultimate spiritual health without the influence of Christians. That, you know, the Lord could have saved us and took us home to heaven, but He left us here to be the salt of the earth to help with the spiritual health of the world we live in. But well, there is one thing to note salt does sting if it touches an open wound, doesn't it? You ever had that happen? You get a little salt on your hands, you got a cut, you hit that, it stings, doesn't it? Christian influence should cause sin in an unbeliever's life, open sin, to sting, shouldn't it? That, that we should have that influence. And to the world around us, we've got a, a world that we live in that is living in open sin day after day after day. And Christian's influence ought to make that sting a little bit. That's, what, that's our purpose as the salt of the earth. Warren Wiersbe, in his uh, commentary on the, the Gospel of Matthew, had this to say. He said, Christians are not honey to soothe the sinful world. We're salt to convict it. We are here to make that sin sting a little bit in the lives of, of lost people. So salt promotes health. A second thing about salt that I believe is a characteristic that applies to Christian, it acts as a preservative. Now we know that salt is an age-old uh, curing agent in food preservation, don't we? Gary and I were talking about this just recently. We, we, all, we both grew up here in this area. We had uh, grandparents, parents that 
that were involved in curing meat. And so you'd kill hogs on a cold November, the coldest November day, the first good cold day, and you'd use that salt to preserve that meat. How did, this, how did that work? Salt is a dehydrating agent. Bacteria thrives on moisture. And so when you salt that meat, it dehydrates it, the bacteria doesn't have a chance. And so it, it, it halts that, or that uh, decay of that meat. What does that got to do with Christians? What does that have to do with us? Christian influence, as the Holy Spirit works through us, acts as a preservation element or a preservative in the world we live in, in the society we live in, doesn't it? Satan's plans cannot flourish when there's a, a consistent, godly Christian influence. Can it? Solid Christian testimony makes it very difficult for sinful activity to thrive in a neighborhood, in a family, in a church, in a community, in a nation. If we had the kind of Christian influence that we ought to in this nation, I think uh, we would see a little less sin. At least it would be a lot less open sin, wouldn't it? And so we, it, not only does salt promote health, it acts as a preservative. A third thing, that characteristic that, of salt that applies to Christians is salt promotes thirst. Simply, salt makes you thirsty, doesn't it? You eat salty food. Go to the fair they will, or to a ball game. They will they'll sell you salted peanuts, salted french fries, salted everything. Why in the world would they do that? Because they want you to buy beverages, something to, to, to quench that thirst. And when salt makes you thirsty, does that thirst go away by itself? No, it's just going to keep getting worse, isn't it? That's how it applies to Christians. Our testimony ought to make the people around us thirst for salvation in Jesus Christ. It should, uh, our testimony should create a thirst that only Jesus Christ can satisfy. It won't go away by itself. And that's what we want to do, isn't it? We want a lost and dying world to be thirsty for what we have, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Revelation 22, verse 17 said this, Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Jesus Christ gives that water of life, and he charges nothing for it. It's given freely. And so we as Christians ought to be trying to create that thirst in the world we live in, shouldn't we? So uh, Christians, as the salt of the earth, we promote uh, that salt promotes health. It acts as a preservative. It promotes thirst. A fourth thing that, that salt does or a characteristic of salt, it has to make contact to have influence, doesn't it? Um, salt won't do any good if you leave it in the container. Would you agree with that? We've got a, a container of more than salt in, our, in, our, uh, in a cabinet in the kitchen. If I just leave it there, it doesn't make my food taste any better. The doctor might like for me to leave it there more, but uh, my last physical did not say anything about me having too much uh, sodium in my diet, so I'm good. I don't, I don't overdo it, but it, it doesn't help at all. It has to be applied to do us any good, doesn't it? How does that apply in the life of a Christian? Our influence is not going to be effective unless we make contact with other people, is it? We have to make, other, we have to make contact with people. We have to be uh, witnesses to people. We have to share the Word of God with folks or they're not going to hear it because there's no one else that's going to share it with them. The Lord gave that responsibility to us. It's only when we make that contact that we can make a difference in other people's lives. And so we need to be sure that we're trying to make that contact. 
All the Bible study in the world that we do is not going to help another soul unless we share that knowledge that we've gained with them, will it? Matthew 28, you remember the Great Commission? Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. He says, I want you to learn what I have to teach you, and then I want you to take it out, and I want you to share it with other people. That's our responsibility, and that's how we make contact with other people as the salt of the earth, to do them good. A fifth characteristic of salt that applies to Christians. Think about salt. In damp weather, what does it do? It tends to clump together, doesn't it? And it doesn't want to come out of the shaker. You remember the, I mentioned it just a minute ago, the Morton salt shaker. You remember it's got the, had the little picture forever of the little girl with the umbrella. And you remember the tagline, when it rains, it pours. And we think, okay, well, that means, yeah, when problems come, they just come, a lot of them come at one time. That's not what that was talking about. It says, when it rains and it gets damp, our salt still will pour out of this container. Why is that? Because they, the company learned that they could add cake, anti-caking agents to the salt that would keep it from clumping together in damp weather. Salt by itself will do that. It'll just stick together and it'll just become one lump of salt. And that didn't help if you're trying to get it out of the salt shaker, does it? And so they, they put these things, these uh, anti-caking agents, some of them absorb moisture. Some of them actually coat the little particles of salt so that the, the moisture won't impact them. Whatever it is, it essentially it waterproofs the salt, so it'll still come out of the shaker. My grandmother had an idea when I was little, and you, you may have seen this, you may have done this, putting uh, little pieces of rice in a salt shaker that absorbs the moisture so that the salt doesn't absorb it. Whatever it is, it, it allows the salt to keep coming out of the shaker. How does that apply to a Christian? Think about this. On a rainy day, what do we normally think of when we think about a rainy day? We think about hard times when they hit us, don't we? We save money for the rainy days when things get hard, don't we? Rainy days are those times when, when things, when we get hit on hard times. All too often, when Christians get hit with hard times, what do we do? We clump together, don't we? We, we want to stick together and we want each other's comfort. We want each other's encouragement. It's those times that sometimes we forget that there's a world out there that still needs to hear what we have to say. And so we need some kind of an anti-caking agent so that we'll shake out of the shaker, which is this church building, when hard times hit. We've got to continue to share the Word of God. What is that anti-caking agent for us? It's the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And even when hard times hit, even when the rainy times come, the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to take care of your problems. You still need to go out and share the Word of God with other people. You need to be an encouragement to them because if the rainy times, if the hard times are hitting you, they're very likely hitting the people outside of your church too. And they still need what you have to offer. The Lord Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. In order to be the salt of the earth, in order to promote the health or to act as a preservative or to create thirst, you've got to remain in contact with the world. Now, the Scripture says we're not to be of this world but we have to be in this world, and we're left here for that reason, uh, to, be, to make contact and to help the world around us. A sixth thing, uh, characteristic about salt, I think that applies to, uh, to Christians is, uh, this one, we'll, we'll, we'll start to use this one here in a, in a few weeks probably. Salt melts ice, doesn't it? If you've got a, 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 a sidewalk 
it's wet, it's got snow on it, maybe it's got sleet on it, whatever. Maybe you're expecting that. What do you do? You go out and put salt on that sidewalk, don't you? Do you know how that works? The salt, when it gets into water, it actually reduces the freezing point of water. We all know this. We all went to school. Water freezes at 32 degrees Fahrenheit, right? Zero degrees Celsius. If you add salt to it, that temperature drops. And so the temperature has to drop far lower than 32 degrees before it freezes. And that buys us some time so that we can get in the house but without slipping and falling before the temperature drops so low that it freezes on the sidewalk, doesn't it? It could drop that temperature depending on what it is, what compound of salt or what uh, concentration. It might drop the, the freezing point to 25, maybe 24 degrees before it ever freezes. That's good. We like that, don't we? Okay. What does that got to do with Christian? As the salt of the earth, our testimony and our sharing that testimony and that Word of God can help to melt the coldest, stoniest heart you've ever seen, can it? Because the, the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to melt cold hearts. And so as the salt of the earth, uh, we share the Word of God. And that melts uh, a person's defenses. And it can lead to a very warm reception of the Gospel message. Just because we're there as the salt of the earth sharing that Word with the people that need to hear it. And so salt does melt ice. A seventh characteristic of salt that applies to Christians. We need to remember this one. Salt can be harmful if it's applied in the wrong way. Salt can be harmful if it's applied at the wrong time. Salt can be harmful if it's applied in too much concentration. Whether that's in our diet or on a, a wounded area or whatever. If we apply salt in the wrong way, at the wrong time, or in too much concentration, it can be harmful. If we're talking about food preservation, you have to put the salt on at the right time, don't you? You can't, uh, you couldn't kill a hog and then wait a day and a half before you put salt on it and expect it to preserve the meat. It's, it's too far gone at that point. You have to get it at just the right time, don't you? And it has to be applied in the right amounts or you're going to still spoil the meat. No one wants to eat it if it's got too much salt on it. Too much salt in our, in our food ruins the taste, doesn't it? There was a time when I was a little boy and I didn't think that was possible because I would sit and I would watch my grandpa and he would, no matter what food was on his plate, he'd just dump all kinds of salt on it. I thought if he did it, I can do it. But I've learned since that too much salt will ruin the full taste of food, won't it? We also know that salt is corrosive in, uh, under certain conditions to different metals that live up north where there's a lot of salted roads or in the mountains and you'll find that out very quickly. So salt, if it's applied in the wrong way, at the wrong time, in the wrong, too much concentration, it can be harmful. By the same token, we're called on to be witnesses to the world around us, but we can apply the salt, uh, so to speak. We can apply the Word of God in ways um, that can be offensive or damaging to people, can't it? I've said this before and you've heard other people say it. This right here is the Word of God. This, these are the words that can lead people to eternal life. This is not a weapon to be used to beat people over the head, is it? That's never effective. It's also, in my opinion, not effective to try and argue with someone about their sinful condition. We were talking about that earlier today, uh, several of us. That. Um, we, it's not effective to try to argue someone into the kingdom of God. That won't work. It's simply the we're called on to be witnesses. What are witnesses in a court trial? You just simply tell what you know. 
You tell what has happened to you. We are to tell people what the Lord has done for us. As Christians, He has saved us. And we could all testify to the fact that we're not the same people now that we were before we were saved. Our attitudes have changed. We've been given a new heart. We are becoming new people in Jesus Christ. And the Word of God teaches us that God's purpose for us is that we be conformed more and more to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ as the longer we're here. And so we simply share that with people. And we do it in a way that we're sensitive to the people we're talking to. And we try to understand what it is they need to hear and we try to give that to them. But we certainly don't want to be harmful because we're giving, unloading too much at one time on people because that could be off-putting, couldn't it? So, salt can be harmful if it's applied in the wrong way. An eighth characteristic of salt that I think applies to Christians is this. It can create buoyancy in water if the percentage is correct. We've all heard the story, some of you may have experienced this, of the, the salt content in the, the salt, the, uh, the Dead Sea. And we're told that the salt content is such that you, can, you won't have to worry about sinking in that water. It's just, there's so much buoyancy there. You can float. There's no fear of drowning because of that. What does that have to do with Christians? Why, as we are the salt of the earth, our testimony, the salvation message that we have to share with people is greater than any life preserver anyone could ever have. That salvation message if people put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ they don't have to worry about drowning in the sea of sin they don't have to worry about um, eternal damnation because of the, uh, the the judgment of God because Jesus has paid the price for their sin I want to read you you don't have to turn here this message that we share is so much better than, than the, any life preserver John 6 37 says him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Jesus said, I'm not going to cast anybody aside. If they come to me in saving faith, if they're going to put their faith, their trust in me, they're going to be saved. Isn't that good news? And that's the news that we, as the salt of the earth, get to share with people. We're giving them that life preserver, that buoyancy that they need in a, in a world of sin. 1 John 5.13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That's, there could not be possibly any better news than that. He said, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, I'm telling you on the authority of, of, of God Himself, you can know that you have eternal life. Not that you will have eternal life. John says, if the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you then have eternal life. And that's why the Apostle Paul could say, to be absent from this body, if we take our last breath as Christians, we're immediately going to be taken into the presence of God and we'll never be separated from Him again. Is that not good news? That's the, 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 the definition of the gospel is that good news that we have that message to offer people that gives that buoyancy to them. They'll never have to sink. They never have to worry about drowning in their sin at that point. A ninth characteristic of salt that I believe applies to Christians is, and this one's important, it improves the taste of otherwise bland foods, doesn't it? We have to say, I know a lot of people don't like a lot of salt, but just that little bit, it just, it, the, the blandest food possible, that little bit of salt in there, and it's, oh, it's so good, isn't it? How does that apply to us? Christians add something 
that is missing to the world around us. Just that little bit of flavor that's not there and they're not going to get it anywhere else. And Jesus said, you're that salt. You, you as my disciples, you as believers in me, you're that salt. You're going to improve the taste, if you will, of everything in the world around you. Galatians 5, you don't have to turn here, verses 22 and 23, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And I think this is, this is an, uh, metaphorically, this is the, the salt that we add to the world around us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those are the things that we add to the world around us. The things that you don't see when you, if you were to go to a busy street corner in a, in a large city in America, you don't see a lot of love there. You're not going to see a lot of joy there. You're not going to see any peace there. There's just nothing but noise uh, constantly, is there? You're not going to see people, I'm, I'm going to venture out, so you're not going to be see many people that are exhibiting long-suffering, are you? Because the world doesn't, they don't deal in long-suffering. They deal in, I want what I want, I want it right now, and I will step on you to get it. But that's not what we're called to be. We're called to be the salt of the earth, to offer long-suffering. How about gentleness? Do you see that much of that in the world around you nowadays? Not a lot. We really don't see much, do we? Goodness. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a, a scarce commodity these days. Faith. The world may exhibit faith, but it's in the wrong thing sometimes. People will exhibit faith in their own skills, in their own abilities, in their own thought processes. Uh, faith in, in organizations or in um, things that uh, will let them down every time they turn around. Meekness. Is that something you see much around you? No. No, not, not in this world. Temperance. Oh, no, no. We don't see much temperance at all. People want, when they find something they want, they just want to go and grab all of it they can get and gather it into themselves. Temperance says, I do everything a little at a time in the appropriate measure. Listen, as Christians, the Lord has called us to go out into the world. He's called us to be the salt of the earth, to promote health in the world around us, to act as a preservative in this society, to promote thirst so that people will want what we have. He's called us to make contact. And even on rainy days and hard times, to continue to shake out of the salt shaker and go out and make contact with people. He's called us to be those ice melters in this society. He's called us to be harmful, or not to be harmful, that is, by applying our saltiness at the wrong time, in the wrong proportion, under the wrong circumstances. He's called us to add the, that buoyancy that the gospel message brings, and He's called us to improve overall the taste of the society that we live in. But then He gives us a warning, also in verse 13. He says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, Sadly, uh, salt can lose its usefulness over time. It can. Uh, and it cannot be rejuvenated when it does. There's nothing you can do to make it salty again or to, to add that flavor, that, uh, that something that's mi uh, missing. And mixing in good salt with bad salt doesn't fix the problem either. The bad salt is still bad salt. And he says, if the salt has lost its savor, it, it doesn't have that usefulness anymore. Because after all, what, what use is it, is, is what Jesus is saying, is, is what use is salt that's lost its savor? In other words, literally, what use is salt that has become dull? 
it's not doing these things. It's not promoting health. It's not acting as a preservative. It's not improving the taste of bland foods, etc., etc. He says it's only good for casting out to be trodden under foot of men. <clears throat> he doesn't say just mix in some good salt. He says if it has become, if it's lost its savor, it's only good to be cast out and to be trodden under foot. He's, he's very clear in this statement that bad salt is only good to be cast out that way. Does that sound familiar at all? Does it sound like what happens when Christians leave their first love? When they leave the Lord and they go after the things of the world, what happens to them? They lose their savor, don't they? They can uh, think about Christians who have lost their testimony because of open sin in their lives. Think about Christians who have become a laughing stock and they've dragged the name of Jesus Christ through the mud. We've, we've all heard of people like that. We've known them. Some of them, we've sadly watched them and thought, I don't even know how to help. But it happens, doesn't it? So we've got to be careful as Christians that we, we seek the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, please don't let that happen to me. I don't want to, to, to be the one that drags the name of Jesus Christ through the mud. I don't want to be the one uh, who has salt that's lost its savor. None of us want that, do we? We don't, we don't want to see it happen to anyone else. But we certainly don't want it to come into our lives, do we? So we want to be the ones that the Lord can look at proudly and say, you're the salt of the earth. Take my message to the people who need to hear it. But keep yourselves clean. Don't lose your savor. Don't become dull. Be very careful about that. I want to note as, as we close, the, 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 or the text, the way it's worded, you're the salt of the earth. Jesus didn't say, I want you to aspire to be the salt of the earth. He didn't say, I want you to try your best to be the salt of the earth. He said, you are the salt of the earth. That's a given. You are. You're the only salt that this earth is going to see. And so, uh, then he warned of those consequences of losing our savor. We could be cast aside. We could just be trampled on by people if we lose that. But more importantly than that, if we become the salt that's lost our savor, we lose our influence to win other people to Christ. That's even worse in many respects than just dragging the name of Christ through the mud. We lose our influence. And as, as Christians, as believers, it's our job to be influencers, to uh, promote the health of the world around us, to, to share the gospel. And so we don't want to do anything that, that uh, would have people looking at us and saying, I'm not going to listen to that person. Uh, just look what, what he or she has done to... To, to mess their life up. There's no savor there anymore. We don't want to be that person, do we? We want the Lord uh, to be able to use us. And so I hope that He will be able to continue to use uh, this church that way. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank You for allowing us to, to be in Your house. We thank You for this Word. Lord, we want to be the salt of the earth. We want to be those who influence our world for the good. And we pray that You would uh, prevent us uh, from doing those things or getting involved in those things that might might dull our influence, that might uh, make us lose our savor. We just pray that uh, you'd work in this church and in every member of it, that you would uh, bless our lives. And we pray that uh, you would allow us to continue to be faithful witnesses for you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.